This week's episode of the Cincy Shirts podcast is brought to you by our partners at Christian Moorline. Check out our entire collection of Moorline apparel, including designs featuring Little Kings, Hootipal, Burger, and more at CincyShirts.com. And just click on the drop-down menu, look for partners, and click on Moorline. And be sure to visit the Moorline Logger House at 115 Joe Nuxall Way in Cincinnati, right next to Great American Ballpark. Now, on with the show. This is WCPO FM 1051 on your FM dial, Cincinnati, Ohio. WKRC, Cincinnati. This is the nation station. Hi again, everyone, and welcome to the Cincy Shirts Podcast. It's episode 83. Today on our show, Lauren Worley. With The Martian, there were only two things, I think, after they did all the production on the movie, that the the science administrator, who was a five-time flown astronaut, John Grunsfeld, said he had a fundamental problems with. Lauren is a former press secretary and senior advisor for NASA and is currently the chief communications and engagement officer at Cincinnati Public Schools, or CPS for short. She talks to us about working for the space agency, colonizing Mars, to the possibility of that, Kristen Wiig portraying a fictionalized version of her in the film The Martian, working with Bono, and how they decide whether or not to call off school when it snows, and a whole lot more. So if you've been liking the podcast, you can help support it via PayPal or Venmo by using the email address podcast at cincyshirts.com. Just kick in whatever you feel is fair. And also be sure to listen to the special promo code at the end of the interview so you can take 20% off your Cincy Shirts or OldSchoolShirts.com order. So now let's talk to Lauren Worley. C-I-N-C-I-N-N-E-T-I-Cincinnati. Cincinnati. She came down from Cincinnati. Just maybe think of me once in a while. I'm at Cincinnati. The other thing I brought, just because you need props, and I'm bringing NASA is, so um, if you've seen, you've seen, I've seen the movie. Okay, so Kristen Wiig okay. portrays me in the movie. Because she's the head of public relations for NASA, and that was my role for four and a half years. So when I left, I got everybody to sign this book. She's she's kind of got some attitude, and this, so when when the movie came out, a lot of people had read the book. But when the movie came out, everyone read the book in NASA, and I just remember my secretary being like, "Oh, here you go. I won't read this on the air, but that's just for your inspiration." It's the first where Annie Montrose is introduced. The first thing she says is, <laughs> <laughs> and. My, the secretary in our office was like, this is an incredible likeness. She's like, it's as if, just just so beautiful. She's like, it's as if they captured one of your conversations and then put it in the book. And I was like, yeah, I know. Hilarious. Yeah. We won't use the swear word, but we can talk about it. So we'll, That's awesome. Well, I assume this is a family yeah, show. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, we try. We try. I try. We're well, public schools now. I and if something it. drops, there's technology that we can Don't bleep you out. If you won't surprise anybody. If you realize later, hey, you know, I, I probably shouldn't have said probably that about. I shouldn't have called someone a doodad. Right, exactly. So, hey, just don't. Bed bug wasn't that it, the thing this week? Someone right called out. a columnist a bed bug, and he lost his mind. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, I saw that. It was that guy. It's said, hard to keep up like, with everything. Said I didn't retweet it. I didn't right. add it. I didn't add him, and and then the, yeah, the yeah. they contacted his editors. Yeah. <laughs> so, if you've listened to the one with Chris. That one was hard to not ask him a ton of questions because I'm such a Star Wars junkie. Yeah. Um, 
Typically, same, same. Are you really? <laughs> yeah. Well, I wouldn't go. I'm not. I haven't made my own owner's man to the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, but, well. uh, <laughs> <laughs> I do own two Princess Leia wigs, one for work, one for home. So you know, just nice. in case you never know. I mean, you might, you know, keep one in the yeah. desk. You might want to keep one in your closet at home. <laughs> Maybe we should just let her go. Like, I, feel like <laughs> so, I feel like we should just... Maybe we should just... More worthy of Well, but there's a connection. So what, the, the whole connection... Well, I don't know what your overarching theme necessarily is for the podcast, but what I think is... Well, let's about, just start. What, yeah. We started. And then I'll tell you what I'm... Yeah. Are we recording right now? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Did we get the F word Did out? You, yeah, I, I can beep it. Yeah, yeah. He'll, he'll cut in. Cut that part Not my first rodeo. All right, so how does Star Wars and NASA go hand in hand? Well, or just, do they? It's just not Star Wars and NASA, but I think it's Star Wars, NASA, Cincy shirts. Okay. I'm going to draw you it's that true. story arc. All right. First, oh, wow. of all, first of all, in, in the spirit of the story arc and why all the storytelling goes together, Joseph Campbell, he is the father of Star Wars, right? He is the he, oh, yeah. he wrote the book, The Power of Myth. And if you don't feel like reading a book called The Power of Myth, you can watch a PBS special from 30 years ago that has him being interviewed. And he writes about the hero's tale. That's the story of all of our lives, like throughout history, whether we were painting on caves to, you know, George Lucas. It's all about the story of the hero. And the story of the hero is the hero is young, angry at the world, frustrated, needs to find their way. The hero goes on some kind of journey. Usually it's usually in these archetypes. It's a young man like Lords of the Rings or whatever, you know, like goes out away from their home and and has to learn the hard way how to deal with something and then returns home and life is better. That's the Lion King, right? That's Othello. It's Star Wars. It's everything. Yeah. But Joseph Campbell, that's who George Lucas like based all of Star Wars off. Of. That's Luke Skywalker. But also, I think we're gonna find that's actually Rey. That's actually you know Han probably if Han Solo. If we took the you know whenever the Princess Leia movies come out, General Leia Organa movies, like if those are coming, I don't know. They should. They better. They better. Say, are they on those? I'll, I haven't heard of those. I haven't either. But they love Mandalorians. Um, like that's her tale right so uh, that's also the tale of everyone who's got um you know who's at nasa right because almost everyone you ever talked to who worked at nasa whether they're an astronaut engineer scientist program manager accountant <laughs> doesn't really matter almost all of them were inspired by something and there's a big dividing line between the star trek and the star wars people which we won't get into today because oh we're gonna I'm get into that uh, uh, no no yeah, i'm a star wars person i can't even but but either one of the two inspired them they will say that. They will say that that science fiction something inspired them. And all of that ties into, though, the hero's tale is the hero comes home. And that's what I feel like Cincinnati Shirts does. Cincy Shirts does, right? Like, you honor, like, the WKRP of it. Like, well, that was the first thing I posted on my Facebook page when I was like, you know, everyone's like, did you move to Cincinnati? And I'm like... Baby, if you ever <laughs> like, that's what happened to me. I moved to Cincinnati. She's back. WKRP, right? So I think, I think the reason we honor, you know, like you guys, the shirts up here, the skyline, the Mister, you know, um, Mister Red Legs, like WKRP, the getta of it, you know, that's because whether you left and came back or you went on some other journey, you're you're here now for a reason, and like to make it better, hopefully. Yeah. And you can do that through design. You can do that through working with public schools. You can do that with taking your R2-D2 unit around the kids' birthday parties. Whatever it is you do, but it makes yeah. it better. <laughs> yeah, and we send our shirts to people who are still away that are, you know, they're in the middle of their journey. They haven't made it back yet. That's true, yeah. But yeah. we're like, oh, man, this Cracker Bomb shirt, that's going to bring them back 
Bring them back home. I reckon yeah. people listen to the podcast are listening in faraway places. Maybe. I yeah. would hope so. Yeah, yeah. Like Norwood. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know how to get there. Uh, Mason, no idea. No yeah. idea. I had. To, I was talking west to... West side, to never been there. Oh, well, man. oh, now, come on. Now we're since I public schools. I get to the west side. Oh, sorry. Easy. West side, east side. I figured that one part out pretty quick. But I had to go to Mason. To I was talking to a Girl Scout troop about space not too long ago. And I had like three backup like GPS that I was like I don't even know always have going. a backup for your backup yeah I was like I have no idea rule. where is this land really? this far yeah. away land and see if Waze and Google, Google Maps open that's a rule right Isn't yeah that yeah and then my car navigation I'm just kidding <laughs> it's not that far away guys <laughs> Do you travel in a rocket or some sort of? <laughs> I was gonna say, is this what? Is this the? Is this the I can't confirm the... or deny. I can't confirm or deny. Um, yeah, if I had roller skates, we'll life would be a lot better. Far. That's for sure. Uh, I do tend to go walk pretty Sonic. fast. I'm the kind of person that, like, when I'm walking down the hallway, people get out of my way. Really? Do you know what I mean? Like, they can hear me coming, and then they move to the side of the thing. I yeah. never have to say excuse me. No one ever is like... Here she I'm comes. Ne- yeah, you just kind of hear me from, like, a fast clip from about 10, 10 paces back, and usually with a big coffee in my hand, and I'm like, sorry, running. <laughs> running fast, excuse brevity. That's We're what on a mission. Brevity. That's what I usually say to people. Running fast, excuse brevity. I love that word. So that's why when I just email you, and I'm like, hey, get this done. Josh, thanks, bye. Maybe yeah, you don't have time to type a book. I don't have book. time for your, how are you today? Brevity is the soul of wit. That's what I was always taught as oh, a comedian. Oh, I believe that. Get to the punchline. Yeah. Trim the fat. No one cares yeah. about the ins and the outs. That's right. Comedy's hard. Oh. Is it? Is it? <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, uh, well, first of all, I mean, because uh, this is all about me, obviously. Um, I'm winking. They can't see me wink on the podcast. <laughs> they can't see my sarcasm. We'll, we'll verify. Uh, well, you will verify my wink. Uh, I was the People's High School Class of 1997 class clown. I was... In your senior superlatives. Hey, class 97. Class 97. So my mom, you know, was just like, can't you be most likely to succeed? Like everybody else wants to be. And I was like, you're called to be funny. Yeah. I I didn't even get class clown, though. What were you? I was uh, best personality. Oh. But this, but the class clown that's a was nice, like a, that's nice. he could actually have been a clown. Like he wouldn't have been a comedian. Do you know what I mean? Oh, like oh they he, were literal. They, yeah. They picked it. They picked a guy who I think would have been an actual <laughs> like clown in actually, the circus. He mimed out yeah. front. What high school locker. did you go to? Where did you go? St. Bernard. See, that's a very Cincinnati thing, by the way. Where'd you go to school? Right. right. Yeah. You yeah. Guys that. Yes. That took me a while to figure that out. That's usually our first question. We have a t-shirt that says, where'd you go to high school? Uh, because well, it's I so, should own one. So, I'm going to buy one today. Is it here in the store? I don't know if I have Because I really, really like the shirt I'm wearing anyway, and I'm going to wear that everywhere. And let me tell you two things about that. Sure. Number one, my dad went to Roger Bacon. Nice. Uh, he grew up in Mount Washington, went to Roger Bacon. In St. Bernard. Uh, for in St. Bernard, for those who are in Mason. Well, I always, say, I always make the joke that there's people from St. Bernard who don't know where St. Bernard is. Like, that's how small it is. Yeah, I'm scared of that. Um, what is it, Chili like, Time, though? Chili that's Time. My, that's my jam. Yeah. I've got, like, my... Five places I eat. Very underrated. Chili times in the top five of those. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Well, you could thank Tommy Roof, my partner. He's always like, I'll be like, I'm hungry. You know how girlfriends say their boyfriend, I don't know, I'm hungry, but I don't want anything. Like, <laughs> you know, and his response to that is chili time. And I'm like, yeah, all right, let's Ready go. Watch? Yeah, right. yeah, it it's chili time. It's chili time. <laughs> um, so, so when I moved here, like people were always like, where'd you go to school? Where'd you go to school? And I used to say Kent State. And everyone's like, what? <laughs> Not where those kids got shot? I mean, the, yeah. no one knows what Kent State yeah. is. So I've taken answering that question. My dad went to Roger Bacon, which for whatever reason now identifies it me. It satisfies. They answer yeah. that question. No one follows up. 
They don't say, no, no, what school did you go to? They say, I, they say, oh, I'm like, that makes me a Catholic West Sider. And that is, this is a perfectly acceptable. Yeah, their judgment is, is fulfilled. Well, I want to, I want to reel it back in just a little bit. Cause I want to get to all of your amazing employment histories and what you're doing now. But like, tell us like, where did you grow up? I grew up um, an hour and a half east of Cincinnati, out in Adams County, Great Serpent Mount. Yeah, East of Appalachia Preserve. There's a Peebles. there's an Amish country out there. Amish country is there. That's where I wrote my Amish country material. Was it Murfin? <laughs> the Murfin Ridge Inn out there. Uh, my in my sister in law is the attorney for Murfin Ridge Inn, no so kid. we have a connection right there. How about there. that? Um, uh, it's a wonderful place. Wonderful place to grow up. Like if you want to, and I think the similarities between that and then the Cincinnati, and we love our neighborhoods here in Cincinnati is that close connection. Like, you know, the kids down the street, you know, the people who, you know, live around you, you have that dedication of North side or, Oh no, I live in you know Clifton, not camp Washington. You know what I mean? That's yeah. kind of like, you know, like that, like distinction of cuff versus Clifton. Like I couldn't yeah. tell you, you know, like Oakley versus Hyde Park. Exactly. Uh, which is okay. I like that um, it, because it comes from a sense of pride. That's why I love what they've done with the Cincy games and the Cincy flags and all that stuff. I, I, I think it's stupendous. Um, but, but I grew up an hour and a half east of here. So still in the Cincinnati viewing area with Rob Braun and Kit Andrews, you know, the crew. But, <laughs> mm-hmm. but um, I wouldn't call Cincinnati home. Like, I went to Reds games as a kid and that type of thing. But it's not, I think we're up here. So I didn't know the East side, West side stuff. I didn't know Mount Washington from sailor park. I wouldn't, I wouldn't have known any of that. Um, went to school at Kent state, studied journalism. Uh, and that's how I know a couple of, uh, Cincinnati's finest, uh, Kevin necessary. Who's an illustrator at WCPO. And yeah. All around great, great guy. Uh, I wouldn't call him a comedian. I'm no. just kidding, Kevin. You're listening. Probably. <laughs> Maybe you'll be one person. Listening I to wouldn't either. I wouldn't say you're funny, but I'd say you're awesome. Oh, kidding. <laughs> he he kidding. is awesome. Um, uh, Chris Wetterick, who writes for the Cincinnati Business Career, was editor of the Daily Kent Stater when I was a newspaper writer there. But I figured out pretty quick for me that I couldn't sit in city council meetings where they're talking about who's going to fill the pothole. I just want to go fill the pothole. Like, what do I need to do to get the pothole filled? Like, I just couldn't. That, And I believe in the fourth estate and all of that. And that's why I love working with porters every day. Um, big part of what I do. And public information, but I just, I couldn't do that. So in the campaigns and politics, I've worked on just about any kind of race from local city council races to presidential races, uh, worked on a U.S. Senate race in 2010. Oh my gosh, now we're throwing back. And we lost that race and I had no idea what I was going to do. Because when you pour yourself into something like a campaign, you don't focus, you don't focus on the day after election day. You focus on election day. That is it. So you don't think about what job am I going to have after this? Right. You just don't, right. it's not because if you do that, you're not a hundred percent into the campaign. So I really had no idea what I was going to do. How do you get hired for something like that? Like, like a what, campaign? Yeah. Be willing to show up at anything. Really? That's what I started in college. They did all kinds of, they were like, uh, Al Gore is doing a rally in Youngstown and we need these huge five by eight signs there. And we need four volunteers. And we need to be there at four in the morning at the airport. And I did it. Ooh. Embarrassing. Man. Is it for me? Is that my office trying to go horny? No, it's a spam <laughs> call. Ooh, I do that. like spam. That's an whole other topic. Me too. I, it's the best. We got a fans round. Go to Hawaii though. Spam. That's where the spam is. I'm a spam is. guy. My dad, whenever my mom couldn't make dinner, my dad would fry up some spam. I would make the uh, copycat recipe for cheddar biscuits from Red Lobster, and my sister would make mac and cheese. That was that our was your... that was our go to dinner. <laughs> Or my dad would make French toast. Okay, the next sound you're going to hear. The next next interruption is going to be my stomach rumbling. (laughs) Spam. 
People but hate on it. They hate on it, but they should go to Hawaii. Have you ever been to Hawaii? Yes. It's oh a, they God. serve it at McDonald's They there, serve right? it every kind. Macadamia nut spam and, you know, tuna spam and, I don't really? know, it's every flavor of spam. Every, yeah, anything you want. They probably have a Jungle there. Gyms, too. But, yeah. So you don't really have to go to Hawaii. You probably just, they actually have <laughs> just a jungle yeah, that yeah. belongs to a yeah, guy just, named Jones. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Um, but you asked me, like, how do you get on that stuff? So it, um, being willing to just do stuff and work hard. So with the time they were like, can you be at the airport in Youngstown at 4 a.m.? And I showed up with four of my friends who, by the way, I don't even know how I got hold of friends back in the 90s. Like, yeah, right, like right? how did I, yeah. how did I, did we just meet at, meet every day at noon at the campus, you know, fountain and we'll talk about what we're going to do later? I like, I have no time. idea. Yeah. Like, what did we do? How did we talk to each I, I mean, Phones had cords and were stuck I guess we wall. called each other in our dorm rooms. I mean, I really have no idea. I can't remember, but. I did have a pager for a short time, but I never, too. I never got into that. Yeah. Never had a pager. pager text. Thing. I had a pager when I was a contractor. Same. You, 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 we should get them again just to have them. Yeah. But anyway, sure. then the next, the next uh, <laughs> time they called me, it was, hey, we need people to drive the motorcade for Al Gore. Um, so I got to drive um, Tipper Gore staffers around Ohio. So you know, you just kind of build and build, and, the, and then the politics to me is like one of the few meritocracies that's left because it doesn't really matter. I mean, you might get it in if your dad's like you know a state senator or something like that, but if you're not going to work hard, like they will just be like, oh, he's here because his dad's a senator. Like it's it's not it's one of the few places where hard work really gets you to the top. And so the people I worked with in the Strickland administration when he was governor and the Obama administration when he was president. Like, that's how those people got there for the most part. They they were like the hardest working people you have ever met. And I really enjoyed that. And then on top of it, this is the NASA story. This is the hero's tale. Yeah, let's hear it. Which is, I, I was at my lowest point, right? We'd lost an election by a lot. It's hard what to, election was uh, it? U.S. Senate race, 2010, Portman versus Lee Fisher. I was Lee's um, deputy political director. It, it, it's, when you lose an election... It, you're you're kind of you're already emotionally low, but then other people are kind of like, you know, like you just had measles or something, not bubonic plague, but it's pretty bad. Like they kind of stay away from you for a while, and it's hard to get a new job, and it's hard to um, figure out what you want to do, and you've just poured your whole life into something, so you need a break too. But also, you're not getting paid, so it's just a lot of a lot. And so I reached out to literally everyone I knew, and I was like. It's just hard to do when you need help. It's not easy to be like I'm unemployed, I don't have a job. And also, I don't really know what I want to do. <laughs> but does great. that not feel like a t like a team loss? Like when something it like that does. happens, like if you're if you're not the actual candidate, like can can one person really be? Yeah, it's, you, but it's you isolating. Know what I mean? Yes, I agree. But it's isolating because the rest of the people around you haven't gone through that. I mean, your campaign team has, but it's kind of like the Muppets, you know, when they all split up and in the which it's the Muppet movie where they all like lose their way and they split up and then they all have to come back and then they do no no they, it's, that's an origin the Muppet movie is an origin story they come together the great Muppet caper the, no the no, Muppet, Muppet take Manhattan that's what happens uh -huh. the Muppet there take Manhattan they all have to go and like Gonzo is like doing a water show and Rolf is playing and <laughs>
There's this guy, Bill de Blasio. He needs a scheduler. Like, now we know Bill's running for president of the United States yeah. now. But, like, hey, who 10 years ago, I was like, who? Uh, and there were a couple other people. And he's like, oh, wait. I've been looking to hire a press secretary at NASA. Would you be interested in that? And I was like, what? You know, like, I'm I'm also hearing right because it sure sounds like you said NASA's in the National Air Knox and Space Administration. And it turns out he had worked on the Obama campaign. Uh, He was the White House liaison. So all the government agencies have a White House liaison who take care of the political appointees there. Most of the leadership is like the administrator or the director is appointed by the president. So they're kind of their link to the White House to keep all that going. And they also do the hiring. Um, now, Department of Justice, Department of Develop- or Department of Defense, they have like EPA, they have like hundreds of appointees. NASA has 18 out of 18,000 people that work there. And I said to Dave, if they would just talk to me about that job for like 10 minutes, I will talk about that for the rest of my I'm like, I, need, I could just, wow, like, thank you. So um, I drove to DC, I interviewed. Um, I, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I'd seen Star Wars. Literally, like, I'd seen Star Wars like a thousand times. That was like my basis of going to NASA for my job interview. It was like, uh, uh, and I was interviewing at a very difficult time. This space shuttle program had just ended after 30 glorious years. So it was a lot of people soul searching, like, what's our purpose? What's our direction? And it was a new administrator. He's a literal bona fide American hero, like one of the first eight African-Americans in the Naval Academy, um, 100 combat missions in Vietnam four-time flown astronaut. He helped deploy the Hubble Space Telescope. He did the first joint U.S.-Russia sh- shuttle mission. I mean, liter- and then retired as a two-star Marine general. And then the first permanent African-American head of NASA. I mean, it's just literal, wow. literal hero. Um, and so they interview me and they're like, well, you know, you're from Ohio. So there's the Wright brothers and John Glenn and Neil Armstrong and yeah. 27 astronauts are from Ohio. Like, you'll be fine. And I'm like, Okay, sure, I'll be fine. So you just why is that? Is that is, is that literally well, just that a coincidence? Joe, this is a TV. This is a T-shirt right here. Is what what is it about your state that makes people want to leave the planet? You know? <laughs> That's funny. That is true. Yeah, somebody, somebody. I think it was David Tell made the joke on Letterman one night that he had just come to Dayton and he <laughs> understood why the Wright brothers built an airplane so they, he could leave. a faster way to get out of town. <laughs> but I also think it's because I mean we have hundreds of colleges. Right. Like, I mean, there's just a lot to Ohio. There's a lot of people here. We're still a big state, even though some of our population's lost. You have the NASA Glenn Center up in Cleveland. The the former chief scientist from NASA is now head of the Air and Space Museum. Her dad worked on the Apollo mission at the Cleveland. It wasn't called uh, Glenn then. It was called something else. But um, and she went to a college in Ohio. So I think there's just a I think there's just a connection. Oh, pedigree. There. Yeah, I think yeah. I think it is. I think it's something about us. And also, like. We forget because it's ancient to us, but our, we've only been around for 200 years. Like that spirit that made our great, great whatevers move here isn't that lost on us. We're still kind of that pursuing that. Yeah, search. that's a great point. I don't know if that's true, but I'm going to put it in our No, yeah, yeah, I like it. Story no, right. I like it. Be- I believe it. <laughs> So you got hired on the spot down there? Yeah, just like that. They're just yeah. like, they measured my height. They said, you look, you look spacey. You Ohio? Yeah, you did. You're in. You look spacey. So it just started four and a half years of like, I tell kids all the time when I do space talks, I'm like, for four and a half years, all I did was put on pants and, and talk about space every day. That's, that's it. I met John Cryer once and he's like, wow, you have a great job. And that's what I said to him. I just put on pants and talk about space. I'm like, you know what you mean? Don't you, shouldn't you have better lines for when you meet famous people? I really need help in that area. <laughs> I don't have a thing. But while I was there, 
Um, a lot of neat things happen. A lot, a lot of neat things happen. Um, have you guys ever, did you ever go to a shuttle launch or a rocket launch or? Me. Uh, yeah? Twice. What was it like? Uh, uh, well, I begged my dad to take me to one. Mm-hmm. I was in my 40s by this point. My, my <laughs> Wait, daughter was. What? Why do you need your dad to you take you to the 40s? I'm a space <laughs> nut. I'm a space nut from way back. You begged your dad to I take spe- you when my, you were 40 dad, years old. When he was in his 70s. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and he's still alive and he'll probably be listening to this. But yeah, so I'm a big space nut from way back. Uh, my daughter, who, uh, youngest daughter, was three at the time. We flew down there. My in-laws picked her up and took her to Palm Coast. And I visited my dad in Kissimmee, and I said, but we left right from the airport, went to the Space Coast, and they had a, it was an 11.30 launch. Yeah. And I finally got to see a spacecraft launched in the space, PM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Perfect. And uh, we oh. found a good spot, luckily, and were able to see it. And then I saw another one in my in-law's driveway in Palm Coast before we left to come back home one day. So I've actually seen two shuttle launches, one actually from pad to sky, and one just going up over the east coast of Florida. And what did it struck you about that when you saw it? Uh, I couldn't believe I was seeing it. It was just, it's still, after, you know, 40 years of being a big space fan, I'm like, I've actually see, finally seen a launch. It was incredible. Seeing something that, like, tens of thousands of people were had to work together to build. They don't know each other, right? Like, all of that. And they had a common vision, common mission, worked super hard on it. Um, science experiments. Like, if you're a scientist and you put a, something on a, on a rocket, you are trusting those engineers with your whole career. <laughs> basically um like that trust is 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 there and then not to mention the people who are on it who put infinite trust in everybody who's working on that so the the camaraderie on the mission is real but then what happens and the first launch i saw was the launch of the curiosity rover to mars and what struck me was the and it was a night launch the first thing is you see it and it's like the brightest light you've ever seen like it's it's crazy bright light when it let shoots off how far away are you when i saw when i was working? about well i was in the vip area so um <laughs> you're about a, a mile away a bunker. It's about the closest you can get about a mile away a mile away so first you see it and you do the whole three to you know count down everyone counts along and you see it then you hear it and it's super loud like it's it's super loud even though you're a mile away so it's about to hear and you're hearing the sound from down here because the yeah. Light travels faster than sound. And then the final thing is you feel it. And a rocket that's as big to take something to Mars, um, <laughs> similar to Saturn Mars, are huge rockets, um, Delta Fives. So you feel it. You can feel it in your chest. You can feel it vibrating. And then that's when you start crying. Like, I'm not... Because you've been drinking all day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've been to Palm <laughs> Coast you and with your three-year-old and you get yeah. crazy. Yep. Um, no... <laughs> Because it's just the most beautiful thing you've ever seen, felt, experienced. And here you are with all these people who are slaves like you looking up, you know, watching this happen. And it's a phenomenon and it's unlike anything else you've experienced. So everyone has to go. You have to go. It doesn't matter what they launch. It doesn't, you know, they don't really care what's on the, what the payload is. But it, like that, that was the moment I went from, oh, I have this political appointment that I got in September at NASA to November where I became like a bona fide space geek i mean i just i needed to know everything i wanted to like how does this work now are there aliens <laughs> if i was going to reveal aliens i'm going to be on like i'm going to be on i don't know the, this well, is way more show? fun uh, this is way more fun like yeah. there has somebody, to be, want this let somebody dig it up there has to be aliens are, are you if, going to area 51 with us uh when's the trip well we're we're, we're representing uh team area 513 area 513 yeah i get it but anyway yeah, that's that's gonna be all the rage. So, are you on that, or are the you know, military I gonna think, be ready and they're just gonna mow everybody down? I don't think do we have a I chance. Don't think it, I don't think anyone's gonna find it. 
Area 51 is like not on the map, right? So like there's just That's like what Will Smith fence. said. Yeah. You know, it's just like that, philo- that famous philosopher, Will Smith. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> From that Independence Day documentary. Yeah. <laughs> As a wise man once said, <laughs> summer, summer, summertime. Yes. <laughs> Parents do not understand our Area 51 rating. I just listened to that Joe, the Joe Rogan podcast where he had the guy that claims that he worked at Area 51. There's like a Netflix documentary on him right now. That. Do you know what I'm talking no, about? No, because I'm not conspiracy theorist. But this is what... I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. No. I, 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 I do think they found you. something. I, they had to have. Because we know... And there was someone that I grew up with who had been out there at the time that happened, or claimed he had been out there at the time it happened. And they were absolutely sworn to secrecy and that kind of thing. So something absolutely happened. I think it's probably more convenient for us to think it's aliens than what might have actually been the scary thing that happened. We know now from unsealed records during World War II and other times, the Germans, how close they came to invading the United States at that time. So it's highly likely that it was somebody else. Um, having worked at NASA and the number of people who work on these projects, like it's like when people say they fake the moon landing. I'm like, you couldn't get 25,000 people to lie. Like you just, that just is impossible to yeah. get all of those people to do that. It happened. And I think that's similarly about aliens, but I do too. I feel it's like, it's a practical thing where, yeah. you know, it's like, I was always, you know, our sun is actually a star and it's mm-hmm. a small star yeah. and it has eight, maybe nine planets that yeah. we know of and we don't all really yeah. know what's on all those. So if you look at every star Just in that. the sky and you think that if they all had nine planets, like the odds of there being life somewhere else. It has else. to be. Yeah. And the only, the sad thing is we haven't found it yet because we don't have the way to get a hold of them and they presumably don't have a way to get a hold of us or they don't want to. But if they had Geta, they'd come here. Totally. If they knew about Chili Time, they'd come here. Make <laughs> <laughs> it this podcast right now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it's I mean, like with the technology that's on Voyager, it's like we sent a rock with a painting on it somewhere. Like, I mean, essentially, because it's yeah. like, a, you know, the golden record. That's like basically what we sent. And they'll be like, what? What? What is this rock with painting on it? Like... It's, uh, we don't know what this means. Well, the good the vinyl's back, so maybe they'll be That's like... That's true. It's very retro. <laughs> I found. It's great. Fantastic. Whoa. What is a find. It, what is it like to work on a project that you know you may never get to see, like, it's, like, what kind of results it is? Josh, well, Josh that's a deep question. That's good. You well, said just, you should I have just... a podcast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really hard thing. Like, so for four, I was there four and a half years. Right? Charlie was administrator for eight years. And I don't mean because you're going to take another job in Cincinnati. I mean that, like, by the time it gets yeah. to the end of our universe, if yeah. it's even I mean, still so, some of the people who worked back. on Voyager are still working on the project. So that's kind of the, one of the neat things about how the space agency Jeez. works. Now, they would have had other assignments in that time. So a lot of people, for example, who were part of the, like, uh, launch team for the Curiosity rover. Now we're part of the launch team for the Europa Clipper or something like that. So you still move, but but we're still monitoring the missions. And if you recall, like we called them the Opportunity and Spirit rovers, Spirit and Opportunity that were on Mars. They they were those were built for a 180 day mission, and they lived for 11 years. So the technology far outpaces the budgeting <laughs> for wow. that project. Uh, if you think about it, and then those people are still working it, but they usually work another project too because you know it's just the way you do i mean it's not bringing back data every single day that needs to be yeah analyzed constantly but you really it becomes your life's work alan stern who's the principal investigator that's what they call the head of those missions principal investigators pis not magnum pi sadly uh-huh. no. magnum pi inter- interestingly enough and i, I sort of see enough uh in the fictional 
story was part of the 1968 Naval Academy graduating class, which Charlie Bolton, my former boss, former head of NASA, was class is the 68 from the Naval Academy. So people would always say, like, who was in his class? And I would be like, Jim Webb was in his class, and so-and-so was in his class, and Magnum P.I. was in his class. And everyone's like, what? I'm like, that's what I heard. That's what I heard. Stranger than fiction. So when you see movies like The Martian, I don't want to ask, like, how far off are we from something like that? Because it's, uh, like, it's Not so... Not far. Really? Not far. I mean... That's real? People, the, reason, the reason people at NASA I love I was fascinated the by that movie. That if you, if you, the, you've got to watch the movie. It is probably one of the most realistic portrayals of space travel within reach. Within reach of us. Like, you know, light speed, not in reach of us. Um, you know... Doing the Kessel Run and how many ever parsecs, not in reach of us, but... How dare you. <laughs> not in reach, not in reach. But, but The Martian is, and, and so that's one reason. Secondly, Andy Weir, who's the author, did an incredible amount of research in the book, working with NASA's engineers and scientists. And then when the movie came out, there's one dude at NASA, his name's Bert, and Bert's literal job is to work with, like, movie producers, authors. He, he owns... The NASA logo is called a meatball, um, and he is the person who gives authority to use that. So if you've seen like the Avengers movie, the first Avengers movie, like however many millions of years ago that came out, yeah. it's actually filmed at NASA Glen um, and Plumbrook Station up in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the NASA logo in the background. And so they ask for permission. It's hard to find places where you can film those type of movies that are like super big. Turns out NASA facilities are great places to film them because they're like concrete. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you can like <laughs> the way they're built is really great for movie production. Um, and so he would be the person who would grant permission for that. Um, and of course we don't want NASA people to be portrayed as buffoons or silly heads or anything. So he would make sure he would review the scripts and approve them. But he was so excited about the script for the Martian. And then what he did was pair anywhere, um, Ridley Scott, the whole team with, with actual NASA scientists, astronauts who then worked with Matt Damon and the other, um, actors in the film to make sure there was an accurate portrayal. Um, Mark Watney is, is Mike Massimino to me. Mike Massimino is a real life astronaut. He was the first astronaut to tweet from space. He's got a show. He's been on the Big Bang Theory as like a repeat role. And he and Mark Watney are like the same dude. Um, unfortunately, Kristen Wiig did not come to shadow me at any uh, point to see what incredible likeness of the NASA press secretary she could be. But yeah, but, so, but you're saying you are Kristen Wiig and she the is Martian. Me. Yeah. yeah, she is. Yeah, yeah exactly. she, her, she's me and I'm her. And it's incredible likeness. I can totally see that. Yeah. You do impressions? Um, no. <laughs> she, neither does Kristen Wiig. No, I'm just kidding. Hers are really great. Um, so we got to see an advanced screening of the movie, and it was super cool. We, we met the executive producer, and my boss, who was head of communications, was like, this is your Annie Lennox. This is her. You know? That's so great. And, and he was like, and after That's 10 crazy. minutes of meeting me, he's like, I got it. <laughs> I hit it on the head. I'm like, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah. That's exactly the kind of pers- way that person would be, which is super high energy, super high strong, super worried about everything, but there for the mission. And that's that character. I mean, I think also someone said this to me recently. They work with other press secretaries and they're like, you're all the same. I'm like, yeah, it's a definite, I'm drinking Mountain Dew while we're doing this interview. It is <laughs> 11 in the morning. It's not even 11 in the morning. When we're IV. Uh, the people who do that kind of work are, are a little bit high, high strong. What about like a Neil deGrasse Tyson? Like, did, like somebody who 
He never worked for NASA, right? Not in proper, but he's been at the, I mean, the astrophysicist. He studied under Carl Sagan. So a lot of the work that gets done, like the principal investigators and people like that who do the work, are actually at a university and not NASA employees. That was something that was interesting to me. Like what I learned about was that a lot of the work NASA does doesn't really happen at NASA. <laughs> it's NASA funded work. Um, and so it's at, you know, Caltech or Columbia or Cornell or Virginia Tech or, yeah. or wherever all this is happening. Yeah, because yeah, like I, you know, for a movie about an astronaut who's from from NASA, it's probably great to, you know, have somebody say like this is this couldn't happen or this can't happen. But yeah. when I hear like Neil deGrasse Tyson talk about, you know, this is why BB-8 could never actually roll <laughs> through <laughs> sand. I'm not here for that. I'm right? like, I'm not here for that. I'm here. I'm here for the Star Wars yeah. universe. Um, uh, <laughs> And again, you know, what NASA engineers and scientists and all those guys will tell you is that that inspires them. So it's not to say it couldn't happen. It happened in a galaxy far, far away. That's all I need to know. Right. But like... <laughs> a long but with, time a ago. A long yeah. time ago. Yeah. Galaxy far, far away. But with the Martian, there were only two things, I think, after they did all the production on the movie, that the the science administrator, who was a five-time flown astronaut, John Gransfeld, said he had a fundamental problems with. One is, and I don't think I'm spoiling, the movie came out a million years ago, um, the the... The helmet, the, the plate on the helmet is actually made of gold and it cracks in the movie and it wouldn't have cracked. Like there's, it just, that wouldn't happen, but they needed a plot device. Sure. So that happened. And the other thing is, is that, um, one of the reasons Mark Watney, astronaut Mark Watney gets stranded is because of wind storms. And we've not, because of the thin atmosphere on Mars, um, we haven't detected windstorms that would get up to a speed high enough to create the kind of windstorm that would create the chaos that was created. Um, but that was written before the book was written a science fiction, right? So, but if they, the only thing that they had said is, well, if they had, we have found lightning on Mars, we have observed lightning on Mars. So if they had changed it to be a lightning storm that struck a power converter and took the energy out, that absolutely could have happened. But I feel like if those are your only two, like, critiques of a book and a movie yeah that's pretty I mean, awesome getting there yeah <laughs> i mean it's that realistic alive yeah that realistic those were the only two things people said how long do you think before someone will be walking on mars uh we have to as a society agree that that's what we're going to do and by society i mean global society more it like it, it shouldn't be just like uh let's see if we can do it yeah it's like, we do absolutely we need to do can. this because we, of, we, of the jurassic we must, park there? we must oh, yeah. for a variety of reasons one i what we know about mars teaches us a lot about earth a long time ago mars had an atmosphere much similar to earth uh we've detected water on mars all those things and for some reason we don't know why it lost its, its magnetosphere which holds in its atmosphere that could happen to Earth. And as we continue to destroy the ozone, we better find out what happens when you have a reduced atmosphere. So what we learn about Mars can teach us a lot about, wow. about life here on Earth um, and what the future could hold or why it couldn't hold that. We're such similar planets in that way, that rocky planet, that there's a lot to be learned from that. There's also a lot to be learned, like, again, kind of with the Martian, you know, with the food growth issues, as we continue... Whether you believe in climate change or not is irrelevant at this point. The fact is that the planet's warming up and there are places that are arid, there are sea rising, the ice is melting. So we're going to have to learn to 
deal with that. And that means that what we learn from long duration space flight, everything from, you can't have a medical doctor, right, on every single one of these flights. So the detection systems that we use in space to analyze if someone's heart's okay and all that business is same we could use out in like sub-Saharan Africa where people are, you know, days walk away from from medical facilities and in fact they do um the chilean miners remember that that that, yeah, that yeah. they were found through nasa technology nasa scientists helped find them because the same technology developed to study mars and other planets was used to find the miners and detect their heartbeats wow so everything we do we don't spend any money like on mars <laughs> there's no cash machine or bitcoin on mars it's all spent on earth so what we learn is like so super important. But there's also just the commonality of a society doing it together. I mean, I can't remember the number, I should remember this, how many pe- millions, tens of hundreds of millions of people watch the Apollo moon landing. And I watched it recently again with the anniversary of Apollo. Oh yeah, that was great. It was, it was so on cool. my favorite channel. And- yeah, and we had we brought the kids in Northside together and there was at least eight kids who'd never seen it before. Now, of course we had it on a smart TV. I was gonna put like a thing around it so it was like <laughs> one of the 1960 TVs where you're looking at like eight square inches yeah. or something, but I was like, they'll get bored. They won't Rabbit even know. ears and yeah, yeah, exactly. foil on it. <laughs> They'll be lost on them. They were like, what? 50 years later, that still grabbed them. And I'm like, there's no reason we couldn't do that again. The only reason we're not doing that again is because we can't decide how we what we wanted to explore in space. We can't decide if, um, you know, for the past 10 years, we've now been giving over a billion dollars to the Russians to take our astronauts to space rather than put that in our own space program. And that's a political decision that Congress makes. That's not a, that, that's sincerely how, how they budget. And so that, I, don't th- I don't think that's good enough. I don't think it's a Democrat or Republican political issue. It's about who we are as a society. If I was going to make America great again, I put all my energy into space exploration. And I think it would just be amazing. Yeah. What about our oceans? We don't know anything about the oceans, right? That's yeah, we're the other thing. about the outside. Don't we, shouldn't we just learn about our own planet? We could do both. Can we? Is there enough time? Enough people? Yeah. Enough, There's enough uh, brains. Yeah. I got 36,000 brains in Cincinnati Public Schools right now in class. They better be in class right now. Well, let me ask you this because you bring up... You bring up uh, the Russian thing, and I'm not taking this a political route, but come on. <laughs> when, um, you know, like an Elon Musk or somebody like starts sort of like a privatized space exploration mm-hmm. program, like, yeah, his rockets land. They're pretty cool. Elon has set the standard. Um, is it, does that, that's what I was going to ask. Like, cause do people at NASA get, do they feel threatened by it? Is it a, is, do they, maybe are they ten, inspired by it? I think does maybe it 10 years ago, them? maybe 10 years ago, it was like, where is he going with this type of thing? But now, um, I mean, what the plan is, is for us to have commercial flights soon. They've already selected the astronauts for it and everything. They're in training to fly to, from Cape Canaveral, you know, Kennedy Space Center on a SpaceX Falcon 9 and a, and a, and a Boeing um, CST-100, which is a very boring name. I'm sure they've come up with something better. But to send American astronauts from Cape Canaveral, again, just like the shuttle, they're much smaller craft. Uh, they're back to the, um, to the cone shape, the iconic, you know, look of the Apollo uh, cones. But um, we have underfunded that program. We've put money into other things. We, it's not that NASA needs more money, I would argue, because they're like a half a penny on a dollar of the federal budget. It's where you put that money and prioritize it. So we are procuring services. 
if you think about it in a crass way, right, it doesn't matter if it's Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos with Blue Origin or Boeing's Orbital and Orbital Sciences or whomever's doing it or the Russians. We pay them to take our astronauts to space and bring them home. And we could, should be doing that, in my opinion, from American with American companies, not another government. Yeah. It, regardless, it wouldn't matter to me if it was the Japanese or the Germans or or yeah. the British or does it's, that's not the point. And what the are they studying they, while they're up there? Like everything. You just know that somebody's on the space station. Yeah, they are up, they do up to two hundred experiments at any given time. Everything from we can study um, loss of bone density um, faster in microgravity because it occurs faster in microgravity. So they do experiments on themselves while they're up there as well. Um, and then everyone from Procter and Gamble, in fact, has experiments up there. Can't talk about it. They're they're Ooh, secret. Like, like, I don't know what they are. Ooh. I have no idea. I just know that they like really secret. Like yeah, for real secret, secret deodorant. Like they're doing. <laughs> yeah, the I, I, that's exactly How it. Fast it evaporates. How fast evaporates. Yeah. Zero gravity. Yeah. So so any like Cleveland clinics doing experiments space? up there, like everyone's got them. And then so they're basically what the astronauts will get every day when they get their plan for the day is they do experiment time from let's just say 10 a.m. to noon or whatever it is and folks on the ground at the Marshall Space Flight Center call up their commands to them so they might say take petri dish four and flip it over you know draw a vial of blood and then send it back in this thing you know like whatever whatever the things are so they they have kind of a lesson plan for the day that they do and then they also work out two hours a day that's the ideal amount of time to maintain their bone density and their muscle mass so they'll run an hour on the colbert treadmill it's named after uh stephen colbert oh Um, it really is it really is because nasa did this they were going to name a node on this this is where bat naming goes bad this is why i will never be for public contests of naming anything everyone's like let's get kids to name it. I'm like, no, it will go bad. Bodie McBoatface? Yeah, yeah. Bodie McBoatface. That was it. You had to bring that up. You had to bring that up. I have like, such, oh my gosh, my friend Adam is going to be listening to this and he's going to be like, ah, I hate Bodie McBoatface so much. In part, because I think it should be Bodie McShipface. Uh, that's fun, go. way fun. Yeah, Thank yeah. you, Josh. That's way funnier. That is, it's the yeah. redundancy, the Bodie McBoat face. Like it should be. Yeah. I'm, I'm ship. I'm torn. <laughs> well, I call my dog Smoochie McKissy. That's a much cuter name than Smoochie McSpooch face, right? Yes. Smoochie yes. McKissy. That's like yeah. clever. Yeah. Makes it seem so like you I have an opinion about bit. everything. But but there was a point to all that. Oh yeah. So Colbert. So they were going to name a node on the space station. And they had this big public contest to do it, da, da, da. and then Colbert hijacked it and got all these people to write in. And of course, all these people wrote in, and they weren't really nice things. And so they were like, "This has to end." And so they called the show. And Stephen Colbert, if you watch the show, I mean, he is huge space nerd. Anyway, oh yeah, and he um, hosted the Star Wars uh, yes. panel at a celebration this year. He is a huge nerd. So they <laughs> they resolved to name the the treadmill after him. So it's C. It's, a, it's an acronym. I can't remember what all the C-O-L-B-E-R-T stands for. Wow, but I know the acronym. treadmill part is T. So they work out an hour on the Colbert, and then they do like an hour of weight resistance training to keep up the bone mass. And are they still eating the, the freeze-dried food? Yeah, but the test kitchen down in um, Johns, because they're up there from anywhere from six months to a year now. So, I mean, when you're there for a, when you're on a camping trip, like my boss, Charlie Boyne, would say, like, shuttle mission was a camping trip. You're gone for seven days. So you can kind of eke it out if it's just like, you know, freeze-dried you know, spaghetti sauce again. But six months, there really is something psychological that goes on there with your food. Um, and so with the test kitchen down, the astronaut kitchen down in Houston, um, they will often bring their own recipes. 
um, and then freeze dry food. So maybe you have like chili time, you know, like if I was going to go, I'm going to do like chili time <laughs> and have them freeze dry it and then I can eat it. And then <laughs> can you imagine? No. Oh my goodness. No, that's not imagine. But like, that's what they yeah. do now. So they had a little taste of home while they're gone for six months. That's Man. cool. That's what's really keeping us from going to Mars. Yeah, it <laughs> Can't is. freeze dry a coney. Yeah. Once we get that sorted. Yeah, we'd be good because yeah. Ohio, yeah. we're the ones that are going to get there. Yeah, that's, that's right. awesome. All right, so I could talk about the space stuff all day. Oh, my but God, I want to talk about the Cincinnati Public Schools. So you did? That's exciting. Of course I do. Can I tell you it's, a secret yeah. about Cincinnati Public Schools? This is what I tell kids all the time because kids are like, who are you? Why should I know you? And I always remember, I'm the lady that calls off school when it snows. Ooh. That is a power to we are. Job. That's me. Now, I'm not, I don't make the decision to close, but I'm the one who's like got the, you know, soundtrack on the street, you know, yeah. kind of thing. So I'm always telling kids a couple things. Well, the first part is. But you guys I'm, never close, right? Isn't that rare. Right? It's rare that we do. Um, it's super rare. So uh, it's your fault. A couple times. A couple times. Well, yeah. And so many organizations do it after we, like I talked to the head of say, stuff. They wait for us. Forest Hills. <laughs> If, if if you guys are on a bridge and you jump, they're jumping with you, yep. and that's it. Same. Everyone, you see yeah. all the partner agencies, like yeah, the yeah. Y, everybody, because um, we cover 91 square mile area. So, and our kids, you know, access their service and that kind of thing. So, if we, working with ODOT, the weather service, everybody determined that it's usually fine downtown. It's usually because, you know, it's warmer in the downtown, and it's also, even a couple degrees makes a big difference between ice and slick. But we have so many kids that walk to school and take the bus. Like, you also want to be careful about what you're doing. But it's also Very important for us. in some neighborhoods. <laughs> I've learned one thing about Cincinnati is that, except Northside. Very flat there and pleasant and wonderful and everyone should live there. Except don't because I don't want you to drive up my home prices. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but it's a big calculus for us because the other piece of it is um, we have so many kids who, who access food. Uh, through the school system. Uh, so it's a really important to us that they get those meals f- for the day. Um, so on a Friday, we have called off school since I've been there on a Friday, but we do that with very, we think that through pretty hard. Well, how'd you end up here from NASA? What, what was the... The Navajo. <laughs> <laughs> Jocelyn, I don't even remember. <laughs> um, I took a sabbatical. Uh, I left NASA um, in 2016. I went to go work for an organization called the One Campaign, which is... Uh, Bono's global yeah. nonprofit focused on oh sub-Saharan poverty in sub-Saharan Africa. No, we don't Ooh. get time for Bono, but I did get to meet Bono a couple times. And first of all, he's awesome. Like I don't care what anybody has to say about you two <laughs> or pushing out the album to your iPhone and all that kind of stuff. He is a remarkable human being, charming, brilliant, thoughtful. He is the real deal, and also he has like some kind of eye thing, which is why he wears sunglasses inside. Okay, that's real. Ah. That's real. I thought he just really he started cool. a t-shirt, he's real cool. a clothing line too, right? Of like uh, sustainable, like organic, probably, probably t-shirts. But when I met him, um, the head of the chair of the board at one nice. at the time was Tom Freston, who was one of the co-creators of MTV. So they like went way back, and he's like, "Oh, you're the astronaut." And I'm like, "Yeah." I'm the astronaut. <laughs> like, like, all I knew is like, sure, yeah. boy, you're like, oh, we heard some girl from NASA, right? Like, yeah. yeah. You got um, NASA on your resume. You can you step go. in yeah, anywhere. Yeah, right? yeah. Um, and then, um, and then I got to meet Bono and he was like, oh, I was, he was like, he just wanted to talk about space. And he was like, should I go to space? And I was like, yes, you should go to space. You should go with Jeff Bezos to space. Like, I think Blue Origin is the company to get you there. I'm just telling you, because, you know, Blue Origin and SpaceX are kind of the reason. He's like, oh, okay. So we talked about space for a couple minutes. Like, it was, he was just awesome. I mean, and completely wow. like I was the wow. one person there. Like, it wasn't like yeah. handler, handler, da, da, da. Um, you know, he's, his ability to, like, 
he was actually in D.C. when I met him because he was testifying before Congress about his recent trips to all the um, refugee camps in Africa. He'd gone to five of them. And so that's what he was talking about. And he probably knew he could correct our I mean, we have people with Ph.D.s writing these papers and the research and stuff, and he could correct them. I mean, he's that brilliant, like, wow, not not a smarty, not like, oh, you better put that in there because Bono said like he was that smart. He was that smart. So I went to work there for a year and a half. And then I just needed a break from kind of the high pressure of having two years on the campaign trail, four and a half years traveling it with NASA. I traveled anywhere from two days, two weeks a month. So it was a lot of stuff. And then being on the road with one campaign for a year and a half, I just, I frankly needed a, a little break. And I wanted to go somewhere where I thought I could get something meaningful out of the time I took off. Like, I mean, you could easily take a break and go home and sit and watch like reruns on TV or Netflix or something, and then find at the end of that month or so you haven't done anything. So um, I had a friend who's an Episcopal priest who's called a roommate of mine, and she had done a lot of work with the Episcopal Church on Navajo Reservation. Um, and so she got me connected with the, with the Episcopal mission out there. So I stayed on the reservation for a month and worked with some female entrepreneurs there and got to know the, to the people there. The Navajo are fascinating. To my knowledge, I don't know Native American history as well as probably should here in the United States, but uh, my understanding is they are the only tribe that reclaimed their land back from the United States government. They petitioned the United States government and got their sacred lands back. Because a lot of people are on their reservation is where we put them, not where their lands were. But the Navajo are back where their lands were. So it's a very spiritual place. It's sacred to them. It's still very desert. <laughs> it's northern Arizona, southern, northern Utah, southern, whatever, however that goes. New Mexico, northern New Mexico, northern Arizona, southern Utah. Um, and a beautiful casino. Bring beautiful back. Yeah, <laughs> but it was amazing. So I spent, a, spent some time there and one of the ladies I met there said something very powerful to me, I think applies to everyone. And I said, she's like, did you get what you wanted out of this experience? And, you know, when you go on a sabbatical, you think someone's just going to come to you and be like, here's the answer to life. And, you know, it's, you know, George Lucas, you know, there, Joseph Campbell and like, you know. What's his name's voice? Who does Darth Vader? Why can't James Earl Jones? Jones. <laughs> James Earl Jones. You think you're going to hear him in your head and you're like, go do this, make shirts, you know, I don't know, maybe that happened to you. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's why we're here. We yeah. all, uh, yeah. James Earl like Jones dreams. was like, yeah, we yeah. heard the same voice. <laughs> and we all came. If you make them, they, they will, will come. Them. They will buy the shirts. Mm. Chili time. Um, <laughs> this is a chili time commercial. They should pay us. But long story short, she said, you know, if you find your people, you'll find your purpose. And I thought that was pretty profound for somebody who probably just watched Dr. Oz that morning or something, you know, like it's it's an Oprah channel or something. But um, what stuck with me was I was like, yeah, where are my people? Who are my friends? Who are my people? And I was talking about Kevin and Chris, who I went to college with, and I have a lot of friends here. And I thought Cincinnati was the kind of place where you're like, I think I can make, I think I could probably do something. And honestly, when I moved back, I was more still in the NASA thing. So I was thinking GE, aviation, Procter & Gamble, doing like comms for something like that. Honestly, I wanted to, I was thinking maybe get a job where I'm just kind of report to six people, like not be the leaders person. That's a lot of you know, having me a chief of staff, press secretary, and ask me, like, that's a lot of like ongoing stuff. And I was kind of looking for something a little bit low key, but uh, it turns out they needed a chief communications and engagement officer for Cincinnati Public Schools. And uh, it just felt right. Um, I met the superintendent. She's I mean, like I said, I've worked for Bono, I've worked for Barack Obama, I've worked for Ted Strickland, I've worked for all kinds of people, and she is probably one of the most impressive bosses I've ever worked for. She inspires me every day. 
She gives me clear direction. She lets me, she lets me, gives me a little runway, gives me a little bit of, little lead to go do what I do and do what I do best. Um, but um, is that her? Is she calling? Oh she is. Late. Laura, yeah. I'm sorry. But um, I really enjoy it. I like, I like working with kids, other people's kids more than I ever thought I would. I mean, I never, working anywhere else, I never worked with children, didn't want to. And I mean, you know what I mean? Like, it wasn't like, you know, people who become teachers have that in their, or coaches yes. or whatever. They like have a passion for that. And I was like, I mean, I like kids, but it wasn't like, this is what my calling is kind of thing. And I've been, it's Tuesday I've or Wednesday, whatever we're recording this, I don't know when it airs, but I've been at four schools this week, just visiting with kids and visiting with principals and meeting teachers just to keep me in, in line, like in tune with what they're doing. So I handle a lot more of the, stuff that's like the operations side so usually when people see me on tv it's not usually the best it's like a bus is late you know kid ate a pot brownie school's <laughs> closed for snow but those are all the things that go into a major operation you know we're the 14th largest employer in the region thirty-six thousand kids and families so it's a it's 600 million dollar plus budget we're a big business and so it and our business is the most important thing because, you know, you run a business and supply chain goes down and something and you're like, okay, well, we can't supply, you know, the chili to chili time now. And some people are Popeye's chicken and people are disappointed. But you do that yeah. with people's kids' education and their safety. That's a very different equation. So we take yeah. it really seriously. And the people who do it just love it. I mean, they're really into getting better at it. And we have great partners like Cincinnati Children's is a part. Like, I never go anywhere. I think one of my favorite things that's happened to me since I've been in Cincinnati that just shows like collegiality was we, I was on a, I was on like a, I had taken a day off. I was getting ready to move. So I was packing and how crazy it is. And it was near the end of the school year. And there was some movie being filmed downtown. I can't remember what it was. And it turns out they were going to close a street near the school for creative and performing arts. And whatever had happened, they hadn't, they hadn't yet told the parents that the school, the drop-off is going to change for the buses and everything. The principal calls me and he's like, hey, I think they're going to close the street tomorrow. I don't have any information on it. What can you find out? I called over to the city and I was like, hey, I'm sure someone can tell me, but I don't know who to call. For, like, is it police? Is it? And I'd only been here a couple months, so I wasn't really sure what to do. And next thing I know, I've got folks at the city calling, police calling to make sure that we knew that streets would be protected. There'd be people there to make sure the kids knew where to walk and the buses would be safe and all that kind of stuff. And the city folks were taking care of what they needed to take care of. And then the notifications were going out to parents. And then at the end of the day, I got a call from the production manager of the movie production and was like, we just want to make sure everything's great. Like, that's something that could never happen in New wow. York City or, you know, and that happened because of relationships. It happened because it actually mattered to the mayor's office, right, <laughs> that that there would be buses that can't get to a school. Like, you know what I mean? It actually mattered to the film people that they didn't want to be disruptive to the School for Creative and Forming Arts kids, who their kids, right, in a sense, you know. It mattered to the production company that we had a great experience when they were filming in our city. It just mattered to everybody. And they stopped what they were doing for, it took us maybe an hour. It didn't take that long. But to communicate and get that done. So the kids the next day, not only was it cool to walk past a movie set, and I think they had some people from the film maybe come visit the kids and that kind of stuff. But like, also, I left that experience being like, "This is this is what's great about being in Cincinnati. Yeah, we got it crap together. We, we got it. We got it. And I don't think there's anything that's wrong with Cincinnati that can't be fixed with what's in Cincinnati. And so when I hear about the streetcar or this or that or whatever, I'm like we got this, we can do this. Yeah. Like it's not the end of the world because we know the guy, we're probably one degree separation. They probably went to high school in St. Bernard and you know, you can just call them and be like, Hey, you know, you know, my dad went to Roger Bacon 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and you're like, okay, let me help you out, you know? So yeah. how many how many schools? Sixty-five. We opened we opened Clifton Area Neighborhood School this year, which we'd had the program running, but now we're back in the Clifton School where the Clifton Cultural Arts Center was. Mm-hmm. Um, we opened Gamble Montessori High School in the former Mercy High School on the west side, and I was just in there yesterday. It was beautiful. Uh, and then we opened we, because that wasn't enough for us. <laughs> I'm winking. That was a wink again. We also then opened a Montessori Elementary in the former building the Gamble High School was in. That's Gamble Montessori Elementary. So we have about 300 kids in that building. I didn't know there were Montessori schools in CPS. We actually originated public Montessori in Cincinnati. Cincinnati are, are trailblazers. We had the first public Montessori high school in the country. We had the second public Montessori high school in the country. One in seven Cincinnati public school students is a Montessori student. Wow. And they're My all pub- they're all public. At, uh, they're all you know. Everyone can get in Montessori school. Yeah, it's the best. I mean, I, I, love I it never understood. I never, you know, I'd always heard the the word. I never understood really yeah, what so it the meant. Kids do the teaching, right? And, yeah, and kid, the kids do nothing. They don't hey, just do whatever. Yeah, no, they group them by age range. Yeah. Because if you think about it, you know, just because you're eight and in the second grade doesn't necessarily mean you should be doing you could you be doing math at that. You could be younger and doing math at that level. You could be older and doing math at that level. And so they group the kids in what the research of the Montessori system studies as like the the development band. So you'll have three through five-year-olds. You'll have six through nine-year-olds. And you'll have nine through 12-year-olds in the same class. Yeah. And so the older kids do mentor the younger kids. And that's how you master a subject. Like I wouldn't be any good talking about space if I hadn't had for four and a half years to talk about space every day and right. experience it myself. And then talking about it is the act of being like, now you really understand it because you've got to teach it to somebody. So that's what I think is cool about Montessori. But we do a lot of that like, project-based learning in, in a lot of classrooms. I also like the, the, the age range in, uh, within the classroom because I feel like it may cut down on like bullying and you know what I mean? That yeah. you can have friends and, you know, that are older kids who, you know, take a liking to you and vice versa yeah. that, you know, that would look out for you that you may not yeah. have that in a regular school setting. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's important. And I think also because we're such a big thing of Montessori where we are, that it also translates into other more traditional classroom spaces. So you'll see that type of teaching method if it's not formal Montessori per se. But yeah, we have a huge Montessori piece of what we do. And then our high schools are high schools of choice. So there's a test to get into Walnut Hills. Um, We're at 3,000 students this year. My hometown was 1,700 students or 1,700 people. So I always call the mayor or I always call the principal at uh, Walnut Hills the mayor. Yeah. (laughs) Because his school is twice the size of my hometown. Um, (laughs) um, But I mean, I was at Aiken this week. I, I and Gamble Montessori High School. I, I love them all. They each have their own individual, you know, thing. Kids are great. I mean, I, they, they inspire me. And they're big thinkers, too. Um, what they think about and what they'll challenge you on. We don't give kids enough credit, I think, sometimes for how wise they are. And they don't see walls the way adults see walls. They don't understand. When you say, well, you can't do it that way. They're like, right. what? What do you mean you yeah. can't do it that way? What do you mean you can't do that? Like, that's why they break rules. Because they don't see the rules. And so, you know, I think that's what's cool about yeah, it. Yeah, their imagination isn't yeah. bound by what's 20 practical. years of someone telling yeah. you you can't do it that way. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got a question for you. Maybe you can tell me why this is, or maybe we can change some uh, some policies or whatnot. <laughs> but uh, kids, I don't know. I live in Taylor Mill. Um, there's kids in my neighborhood that get on the bus at 7 in the morning. They start school at like 7.30. They're home at 2.30. But, you know, mom and dad, 
their their work. Oh, you want the kids schedule. to go to school longer? I want them to. Yeah, I want them to. <laughs> I want them maybe start a little later. Uh-huh. Like, hey, because that's not who who's that convenient for? Put the kid on the bus at seven thirty, half asleep. Yeah. They're not going to be learning anything. And then cool. getting getting them home at two thirty when no one's home, mom and dad's still at You're work. Trying to get in trouble. Yeah, it's like, uh, what, why can't we just keep them there until 5 o'clock, dang it? And if Jeff that means don't send them till 9. Jeff says, I don't care what you do with them. Just keep them busy till 5 o'clock. Keep them busy till 5. Yeah. Well, you know, interesting. So I don't know about the Taylor Mills example of it, yeah. but for CPS, we use Metro to transport our kids. So one of the reasons we did, did a really big study on later school start times, and the science is clear that later school starts are better for teenagers. That's that's just where they are biologically. Yeah, Might be better for adults ours. too, but, yeah, but it's humans. Like kids, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but the problem is is the same buses we use to transport our kids to school are the same buses Metro relies on to take people to work during rush hour. So so there's not I mean we all know this I don't know if you had anyone from Metro on the show, but you could. Um, they would tell you like just the the strife that system's under. So we have to get our kids off those buses before Metro then needs them to transport adults to work. So that's one of the reasons why many of our schools, like Clark Montessori, starts at 7.30, because the buses and, and Walnut starts at 7.30. This year we've got two schools, Western Hills High School and Dater High School, starting at 8. Uh, they started at 7.15 last year, so Jeez. they move 45 minutes later. And that helps to, that helps in the, the cognitive piece of it. Um, it creates a transportation mess, but it also helps kind of what you were talking about at the end of the day. Um, and that's the other reason why Cincinnati Public Schools are community learning centers. So with the, the theory of change behind a community learning center is that learning shouldn't stop at 2.30 just because school stops. That you should have partners in the school who have enrichment activities and growth. So to school like Aiken High School, um, Word Plays there. Um, there's other organizations that not just sports or not just art or, or something the kids are doing, but actual after school enrichment that allows them to have something to do, but there's gotta be transportation for it. And if you were, you know, if you're growing up in Mount Washington and you're going to school in Sailor Park, which technically our policies allow in Cincinnati Public, you know, you're spending all your time on the road. So as the district grows, we are, the facilities master plan, which, which is the plan we had with the state of Ohio, how many buildings we needed and all this stuff. And the 10 years ago, they projected that in 2019, we would have 26,000 students because so many people were choosing charter schools, we, had a re- we have a really great system of Catholic schools here in this area, and that's a heritage to be honored, I think. But um, we're at 36,004 students this year. Wow. So we have 36,000 students and facilities built for 26,000, which means that's why we had to buy Mercy High School. Um, it's why we've you know, added people. We've increased the amount of children in um, Walnut, you know, being at 3,000. Um, we've um, done a lot of things to address that, but... I think that's a great thing for the whole city. That means people are raising their families here. That means they want to stay closer to the urban core, um, which is going to keep the city healthy. Um, and so all that's good, but it definitely can't be done without planning. We have to like figure out the bus piece, you know, where people are working. Are they close to daycares, preschools, urgent cares, targets, Cincy shirt stores? Like, well, yeah, I mean, hey, because they need like need that infrastructure. Program. And after, that's what you should. Oh my gosh, that's the that's the policy. An after school program. <laughs> Come on over to our place, kids. <laughs> you don't have to be latchkey kids or whatever. But uh, we didn't solve your problem. Yeah, so. no, I know. But man, that's a really political answer. Okay, the buses. I just want that last bell to ring at about four forty-five, and then <laughs> at five o'clock. 
That's all. I think parents could make a movement for that, though. <laughs> if the parents in the neighborhood wanted that, I bet it... I can't speak for other school districts, but I bet if... I think if, like, the parents of, you know, Worley High School and Cincinnati Public Schools came in and said, we want for our neighborhood, all of us are busy and two parents working, that kind of thing, and we think it'd be better for our kids to stay at school till five, you know, start looking at it. You have, t- you have contracts and you have all this stuff that's a thing, but yeah. if you think like a high school student... They don't see the difference between CPS, the rec center, the library. That's just, it's all run by the man to them, right? <laughs> like, they don't know the difference. So it doesn't make yeah. any difference to them who it is. <laughs> you know? And that's like my thing. Like, why I didn't want to be a reporter, right? I, I didn't want to be a reporter because like, I don't care whose job it is to fill the pothole or who's going to do it or whose budget it is or whatever. Just fill the pothole. Like, let's just do it. And, sort it uh, out. Yeah, just, just, just get it done. Callback. You know, I don't, I don't. That's a great, uh, that's a great wraparound. You know. You're welcome. So, uh, what's next for you? I mean, you, I mean, not, obviously, you're not you're happy where you are. Clearly, I love it. I but love it. you know, you think? Do you have you have you not had your dream job yet? I don't think I ever had a dream job to begin with. So I think that's probably part of it. You know, like I as a kid, I think I want to be a doctor, but I wasn't. You know, I think I maybe want to be president of the United States for a little bit. But like those aren't really. You know, some people are like, if I ask oh, a kid today... I think I we've kid, learned that anybody can be a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 I was going to add that. I had to figure yeah, a speech when I was a kid. Yeah, but. right now, we know. But, like, you know, I asked a kid yesterday who I met. You know, I was like, he was a he, he was 10, and I was like, so you don't have to make a decision today about what you want to be when you grow up, but what do you want to be when, when, when you think about being when you're older? He's like, well, I think one, a lot of kids will say they want to be YouTube artists and singers, that kind of thing. And yeah. I usually say, Gamer. that's great. So tell me how you're learning business. Like, what are you going to learn? How are you going to learn to market yourself? How are you going to learn to run a business? How are you going to keep your taxes straight? And I know that kid's 10, but if he's not, if he's just thinking like, I'm just going to get real famous on the internet, like, I don't even know how many like downloads like Lil Nas had to have before he made any money. I think he's probably still living on his grandma's couch or something. I don't know. Like, cause the business piece has to take care of you. And that's what Kick Lee's doing since I'm Music Accelerator. He's a, I'm a fan of his because because that's the business piece will get you through whether you're a lawyer and you run your own business, um, whether you're doing pet grooming, you got to run your own business. You guys know all about that and probably learned a lot of hard knocks about starting your business and it's not always what you think it's going to be. But yeah. even as even as someone who's a communications person, I ran my own business for a year and that was the toughest part. The toughest part wasn't doing the communications work. The toughest part was in chasing my invoices, mm-hmm. promoting my business creating my brand and doing all that stuff. And I think kids are now are prone to do that. They get it through the Instagram of it all. And I think that's, that could be a really cool thing. I mean, that's, that's the, if you used to ask me like, what should we change about school? It's the fact that we shift kids from class to class to subject to subject. I mean, how many subjects have we have talked about here? If I'm working on a work day, I could work on 10 problems at one time. There's no like, well, I'm doing lunches now. I can only talk about food for the next 45 minutes. And then I will talk about athletics for the next 45 minutes. Like no one works like that. And so we have to start thinking about how we prepare our kids for the gig economy and that flexibility in their thought. And that's why project-based learning and the stuff that we're doing in law schools is really critical because it's not that you can say when the war of 1812 was, it was like, what did we learn from the war of 1812 and how can we stop that from happening again? So I think that's just a huge piece of like what we can do together. And that's, what's so great about Cincinnati. It's a small enough place to like make changes, like call somebody up and be like, can we do this? Yeah. But it's a big enough place where the impact is actually real. 
Hundred percent. So can people uh, follow your adventures? Uh, or do can. you like how how can uh, I tweet? I tweet a lot. You have a Tumblr. Actually, uh, I have a Tumblr. I have a Tumblr, but it hasn't been updated in a while, so I don't want to. I don't want to give any false uh, false interest in in my tumbling uh, on uh, <laughs> clean street, clean teeth, dirty street. You can follow me on Tumblr there. But uh, Space Lauren is my Twitter account. Um, it is. Uh, my opinions only on outer space exploration and um, grilled cheese sandwiches, which I have a passion for. Nice. Uh, I'm the kind of person that goes to a five star restaurant and then asks the chef for a grilled cheese. Like, and I've done that many places. Um, uh, chef Jose Andres's team has made me grilled cheese three or four times uh, with I like the fanciest of cheese. cheese. With the fa- I don't need fancy. I need. Wh- I can do white bread American cheese. That's fine. But also, I'll do fancy cheese. <laughs> What's your handle again? Space Lauren. Space Lauren. And I actually started that Twitter account just to like keep track of sp- space tweets. But I do try to tweet a lot about space for two reasons. One, I like it. It's interesting. It's cool. The other thing is that it kind of just gives you a little bit of perspective. You know, when someone's upset about street lights and you know potholes and you know, buses being late or something. I'm also like, we are orbiting on a rock. That's the third from its sun. It's the only thing we've ever seen like that. It's perfect in its orbit. It's perfect in, in its speed at, you know, 17,500 miles an hour. Everything about this planet is so perfect that it has seasons, that it has food for the people who live on it, has water for the people who live on it. And we are special. And I don't think that we off. Sometimes it's hard in dark times to be like, is there anything special? Does any of this mean anything? It means nothing if not the fact that there is nothing else like us that we've ever found in the entire universe, so far as we know. And so that's pretty special. So it doesn't really matter what you do with it. You can work at public schools. You can eat at chili time every day. You can, you know, make dumb watch, shirts. Watch, 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 make shirts. You can watch go Star Wars marathons over and over again. That part is insignificant. What's significant is the fact that we have the opportunity to do that on this third planet from the sun. And so that is like when I need a little perspective, you know, seeing some pictures from the Cassini mention where it's like, this is us, that little, you know, as Carl Sagan said, that pale blue dot, that's us. That's perspective that then reminds me you know, it's going to be okay. Whatever happens is going to be fine. But also you got to keep doing this. It is significant. Yeah. I think George Lucas <laughs> said that. I mean, that's, that's probably at one point. Joseph Campbell. Gene Roddenberry. <laughs> God! <laughs> Fighting words. Buck Rogers. I'm going to ask you about Star Trek on Twitter. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, get a code. Yeah, we need a uh, we need a promo code. So you Ooh, get to pick a code pick? that yeah. Uh, yeah. people will use. How many letters? Somebody? Could it be Space Lauren? Could it be like oh, a yeah, Twitter yeah, handle? Yeah, absolutely. Why don't, can we do that? Space yeah, Lauren. So uh, enter code Space Lauren. No spaces. No spaces. There's no space in space. <laughs> Boom. Uh, <laughs> and that's L A U R E N. L A U R E N. Yep. So Space, Space Lauren, Lauren, I'll save you twenty percent online or uh or in stores. Yeah, come in our store and just yell Space Lauren and then watch Space the Space Lauren sent me. The sales clerk Space Lo- I like their that. Mind. I like that. Space Lauren sent me for this large shot. I come in peace <laughs> with my Space Lauren promo code. Um <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, this thank is you. fun. Thank Dang. you. Thanks so for having fun. me. I, I feel like we do this once a week now. Absolutely. Yeah, we didn't. We, we need to do more space talk. We didn't even get into anything about. Uh, what the, we do the, an episode oh, the, just the, on the Obama, Obama thing. Yeah. Smells. Yeah. 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 Like the smells of Bono. Oh yeah, the U2 thing. <laughs> he smells good. You have to come back. Oh, I'd Absolutely. love to come back. Yeah. I also do, just so you know, I don't know if you know any uh, kids, but I do a space talk every month. Uh, my my partner runs a nonprofit in Northside called Happen Incorporated, and they do art activities oh, right with on. kids. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like they the birthday party there. Uh, yes, and also, I should catch you guys up because they have a breadwinners program where he teaches the kids how to silkscreen shirts, and the kids make 60% of the sales of their shirts. Uh, 30% goes back to the bank, and then a dollar from the sale of it goes to take down graffiti in Northside. The kids have donated $3,000 to graffiti removal for the last couple well, of years through the sales of their shirts. So he's teaching them the whole thing. I always want to get a kid's design thing going, yeah. so maybe we'll work that yeah. out. So we get 36,000 designs, you think, submitted by yeah, uh, sure, no problem. October 1st? Yeah. We'll go through them. We, we did that once. It's amazing what the kids came up with. It's, 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 really, cool. it's really cool. And so Tommy helped launch um, Tide Pods, Swiffer. Um, he worked on the Icy Hot account for Procter & Gamble. And then 20 years ago, sold out of that because he wanted to work nonprofit with kids and, and families. So Toy Labs, where all the proceeds for yeah. that funds all the free programs. But we do a lot of stuff with the teens. I don't really care so much about the art stuff. That's not really my thing. Cool. But I love working with the teens because they could use the support. As you, I mean, they get off school at 2.30, and then they're running around the neighborhood. So we're trying to come up with things. So we got a garden club, a book club, a movie club, um, the breadwinners, um, all that stuff for just kids in Northside and beyond. And then I started doing this monthly space talk where I just talk about space. And it's p- perfect for kids like 7 to 14. Yeah. Like I did a talk last month, and most of the kids were like 5 and 6. And that's just a little – it's a little tough because yeah. they don't have the vocabulary for what we're talking about. Um, and are those times online? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do them like once a month at three o'clock on a Saturday. I got to get my September one scheduled. But I do like Girl Scout troops and Boy Scout troops and that kind of thing. And awesome. I've got the stuff to. And there's like a bar next door, right? So I could like drop my kid off. And then, like, <laughs> That's perfect. Go. You go down to Northside Tavern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's come right. back in an hour. Yeah. Okay. Let's get a schedule. It's all about someone uh, taking over uh, watching his kid until he's ready to watch his kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not doing How, how old's your kid? You do it enough. <laughs> Um, my daughter's first grade and my son's in fourth. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Sweet. Sure, I could have used any old space song as her play out, but uh, when I heard she was going to be on the show, that song just popped into my head for some reason, and then after talking to her, it just made all the sense in the world. Uh, again, you can follow Lauren, at uh, SpaceLauren on Twitter, and Lauren is the standard spelling, L-A-U-R-E-N. If there's someone you'd like to hear on the podcast, just drop us an email, podcast at sincyshirts.com, and put podcast guest in the subject line. You can use that same email to donate to the podcast via PayPal or Venmo, of course. Now, be sure to tell friends and loved ones about the show, including folks who may no longer live in the area but still feel connected to the tri-state. And as always, I invite you to go back and plunder the Cincy Shirts podcast archives. We've got 81 episodes back there, and uh, they all do really well, as a matter of fact. I really wouldn't say one is uh, insanely more popular than the other. Oddly, the two that don't have any celebrities in them at all, Abandoned Cincinnati and Haunted Cincinnati, do really well, but as do the ones with uh, Johnny Bench and Mike Mathis and Cash Wright and Moegger and Finn Rock and Frank Marzullo and Randy Rico off of Weather. Um, so just pick and choose, cherry pick if you like. We won't be offended. Today's show is produced by me with help from Josh and Darren. Our theme music is Cincinnati by Big Nothing. They are from Philadelphia. You can find all of their music on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you get your music. 
Find vintage tees from great places like Boston, Phoenix, Pittsburgh, Cleveland, Louisville, Seattle, Philadelphia, and a lot more at OldSchoolShirts.com. A lot of defunct sports teams, old shopping centers, restaurants, radio stations, uh, and the like from those cities, uh, like Cincy Shirts, but for those towns. And again, the promo code for this episode is Space Lauren, all one word. Lauren is the standard spelling, L-A-U-R-E-N. And uh, you can use all uppercase, all lowercase. You can alternate upper and lowercase to be fancy if you like. It doesn't matter. It'll all work either way. Uh, let me see. Use that to take 20% off your entire CincyShirts.com or OldSchoolShirts.com order. Or you can use it, you know, at both sites, actually. You can use it once each time. A little trick there for you. A little, a little life hack for you. You can also use that code in our physical, or as we say, brick-and-mortar stores in over the Rhine, Hyde Park, and Loveland, of course. Follow our social channels, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and Snapchat for the latest Cincy Shirts news. Give us a good review wherever you get the podcast from. And as always, download or stream us next time. Bye. Hey!